0: Welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at Christchurchws.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Please remain standing and pray with me. Come Holy Spirit now upon your people. May the light of Christ that you bring among us be so brilliant that the darkened places of our hearts will be illumined by the Word of God. Lord, bring transformation through the preaching of your Word into this place. Lord, be with me as the minister of the gospel this morning that through me your message to your people would be delivered. Be with all of us who have gathered here in this place, around this table and before this holy desk, Lord, may we have open hearts and open ears and open minds to receive the implanting of the pure Word of God, and may it spring forth in us, grow up to full maturity, so that we would be made like Jesus. We ask it in His name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you for spending your Labor Day weekend with us. Praise God for you. I wanted to let you know a little bit about the background of the passage from Luke's gospel that we just heard out of Luke chapter 14. The larger context for that passage from Luke this morning is what biblical scholars refer to as the travel narrative, the travel narrative. We talked about this last week. And so remember that from Luke chapter 9, to the triumphal entry in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is on a journey. It's the travel narrative. And that journey ultimately ends in rejection and death on the cross. In fact, the cross that Jesus is heading towards casts a shadow over the entirety of the travel narrative, and we cannot fully grasp all that happens on this journey without keeping the cross in mind. The cross is the ultimate symbol, and certainly in that world, and really still to this day, if we take it seriously, the cross, that cruel Roman cross, is the ultimate symbol of shame and humiliation and rejection. And to be lifted high on the cross was to be subjected. To be high on the cross was to be subjected to the greatest depths of shame. So Jesus is going from the heights of His popularity literally from the transfiguration where His glory is revealed on that mountain to Peter and James and John back in Luke chapter 9 verse 32 to the depths of shame on Calvary. This is one long journey. So therefore, this is one long journey that Jesus is on of downward mobility. He came from the glory of the Father's right hand, And taking the path of humble obedience, he will go from glory to the, to the, to the shame of the cross, to end his life on the cross. And on that way, on that journey, we have this scene where Jesus has been invited to the home of a leading Pharisee. And he is not there so much as a guest, but as the object of scrutiny and study. So don't you know he just felt right at home? Wouldn't wouldn't that make you feel so welcome? says this in Luke chapter 14, verse 1, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching Him carefully. They're going to see, they're waiting to see if Jesus gets up to any Sabbath shenanigans... Like healing on the Sabbath, healing on the healing the sick on the day of rest, and of course he immediately obliges by healing a man who has dropsy, which nobody knows what dropsy is, uh, but it's actually it's a uh, edema, it's uh, having too much, it's having unusual swelling in your body. I didn't know that; I just thought it meant you drop stuff. But I've I've I went to the, the Google and I learned better. And I wonder if they actually just kind of brought him, brought that guy in and say, Hey, bring old Dropsy Joe in and put him in front of Jesus and see what he does. What they don't realize, however, is that they are watching him, but really, he is just as carefully scrutinizing them. He is watching them. Now, he told a parable. It says this in Luke chapter 14, verse 7 it says, Now he told a parable to those who were invited when, this is what he says, when he, Jesus, noticed how they chose the places of honor. Jesus notices that the guests are vying for places of honor around the table. Now, we immediately think that this short section of Scripture, this pericope, reflects a shame-honor culture, and it bears very little relevance to, to our egalitarian, liberal democratic society. So this narrative may have some historical or anthropological interest, but the yawning gulf of time so thoroughly separates us from this particular story that it has no bearing on us and we might as well go on to the next passage. But no, (laughs) no, 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 dear friends. Just like these guests, Trying to sort out their prestige and status by where they are placed on the seating plan, we are just as driven by the same motivations today. Whether you are in first century Palestine or 21st century America, we all, all of us crave significance and acceptance and admiration. And so Jesus tells us a parable that really sounds at first blush blush more like manners and social advice than anything spiritual. Basically, this is the parable. He says, if you choose a seat of honor, you're likely to be asked to move to the very thing you wanted to avoid in the first place, and that is to a place of shame. But if you choose a place of lowest honor, you are likely to be asked to take a place of greater prestige. And then he says, this this is the punchline of the parable, Luke chapter 14, verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, I love that passage from Proverbs we heard this morning. Uh, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Every time I played my dad uh, in basketball, he always told me that. Because I was a, I, I had the gift of gloating. I could gloat when I was losing. And he would just psych me out. Oh, son, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He, he, and I'd lose every time. So, But by this verse in Luke chapter 14, everyone who humbles himself, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. By that verse, we see that this really, however, isn't about banquet matters or banquet manners at all. The very reason that Jesus stops at the home of the Pharisee for that Sabbath meal is because he is on a long road, the long road of downward mobility of humility that ends at a cross. And by taking the path of humble obedience to the Father's will, by choosing the path of the cross, of downward mobility, He will eventually be exalted. We think that we should get exalted first. But the way Jesus shows us is the way of the cross, which is He is allows Himself to be humbled and humiliated, and then he is highly exalted. So, what the dinner guests are doing was actually the opposite, the polar opposite of what God is doing in Jesus Christ on this journey to the cross. Perhaps you know this, the scripture very well by this time. Maybe you committed it committed it to memory. Uh, Philippians chapter two, verses five through nine. Have this mind, have this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in very nature God, in the very form of God, did not count his equality with God, a thing to be grasped, to be clutched to, but emptied himself, kenosis, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, then this is what it says. Because he did that, this is what the next verse is. Therefore, therefore, why is the therefore? (laughs) It's because, remember what he did. He humbled himself to the point of obedience to death on a cross. Therefore, because of that, God exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jesus was willing to be humiliated humiliated on the cross because He craved the approval of God more than the approval of man. And I've only been a Christian for longer than I've been alive now, and that is still hard for me to do. Are you seeking, friends, the fleeting prestige of man or the eternally significant prestige that comes from God. St. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 1 where he says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I could not be a servant of Jesus Christ. Think of that. It's a binary choice. Let me just read it verbatim. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. We can either please men or we can please God, but you can't do both. Sometimes the Venn diagram does overlap. Oh, those are happy days. I love it when y'all love me. (laughs) When I'm pleasing you and pleasing God, that makes me so happy. I love, though, what it says in the parable of the talents when Jesus gives that parable in Matthew chapter 25, when he really shows the kind of uh, what we should be seeking. And this is it. We need to hear the approval of our master and Lord. Jesus says in that parable of the talents, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. And may God grant us the gift to hear that at the end of our days. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, over humble things, over a little. I will put you over much. Humbled, and then God exalts. Enter into the joy of your master. So to follow Jesus Christ is to choose to take with him the path of downward mobility. And that's why Jesus tells his Pharisee host to not arrange his life, please listen, to not arrange his life with status in mind. Do not view people as tools to enhance your status. Don't invite people to your parties who increase your prestige, but invite those who don't have any way to pay you back, who don't have any social capital, to give you a social advantage. Now, we need to hear that kind of thing because, believe it or not, that still happens today. It happens every day. We are concerned about, listen, this actually begins back uh, in elementary school when your finely tuned senses to detect cooties are turned to their maximum. And I'm not talking about real cooties. I'm talking about social cooties where you don't want to be hanging out with the wrong people at recess. It starts then and we never get away from it. We just kind of cloak it better. We are concerned about being socially contaminated in a way, socially contaminated. I don't want that on me socially contaminated in a way that will reduce our prestige, that will put us on the outs with the social set that we think we need to be a part of, that will cost us in advancing professionally. And folks, I have literally seen this happen at Christ Church. I have seen people come to this church, stay for one service, Look around at the socioeconomic and academic diversity represented here and never come back because we weren't the kind of people they were looking for. They were willing to go to another church where the gospel was not proclaimed and where the scriptures were not seen as authoritative because in that church they could be around the right social set. Now some would say, Ben, that just sounds like paranoia. Nope, because I have actually, some have astonishingly articulated this without shame. I literally have had someone tell me, well, my wife says she doesn't want to come here because these just aren't our kind of people. Now, do you realize the pinnacle of, of, of a lack of self-awareness that you have to have to say something like that? I can't believe that somebody really said that but without any, any shame at all. Well, you're just not our kind of lovey. (laughs) I don't think these are our kind of people. (laughs) You know, usually we don't let that thought even form in our minds. We instinctively recognize just how ugly it is. Like shameful racism we disguise it even from ourselves. We would be ashamed to admit that really we are making a decision about where to worship based on status and prestige. And so instead we mask it with talk about liturgy and worship style and taste in music. But really deep down, it's just about status. I need a church that will enhance my prestige. My children need friends that will enhance their resume, because somehow, somewhere along the line, child-rearing became about resume enhancement. Now, I know that there are those of us at Christ Church right now who feel the pressure from their peers, or perhaps just an internal pressure, who think maybe we need to go to a different church with people more like us, and you know what that would be? That would be boring, (laughs) to have everybody just like me. I mean, nobody can be that cool all the time. Just me. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you know, when we are tempted to think that way, God's Word reminds us of how God actually sees us in that moment. It's actually in... The letter to the Laodiceans within that book that we call the book of Revelation. And Christ is sending out, he's speaking a prophetic word to the churches on a a postal route in Asia Minor, modern Turkey. And one of those churches is the church at Laodicea. And this is, and sometimes we think like Laodiceans. And Jesus says to that church, for I say, for you say, you Laodiceans say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and as we say in North Carolina, naked. (laughs) Wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. You see, brothers and sisters, uh, I got to tell you, I don't know why the Chamber of Commerce has not just beating my door down to come, to get me to go talk to people about Winston-Salem. I love this town, I really, really do. I, did, I mean, uh, I wish I had a cuddly toy of Winston-Salem that I could just snuggle, I love it that much. You know, it really isn't my favorite place I've ever lived, thanks be to God, I, you know, God chose to put me here, I didn't choose to come here. What a great gift this has been. But one of the cool things about this is that we're an academic community, and I love being in an academic community. But also, one of the downsides is we're in an academic community. And we live in an academic community, and so a kind of academic snobbery can literally cripple us if we are not careful. By the way, it's the Reverend Dr. Ben Sharp. Don't forget. <laughs> no, we can be crippled by that. I have known some people who remain spiritual pygmies and who cannot grow spiritually as disciples because they have dismissed, disrespected, and disregarded mature believers that God has graciously placed in their lives. But those mature believers had not attained to the required level of academic achievement or the attendant professional and career success. And so that gifted, Christ-filled, spirit-filled woman or man that was placed in that person's life was ignored because they just weren't like me. So you've got a spiritual giant, and you're a teeny tiny little spiritual pygmy, and you don't even realize it because you wouldn't listen to the one that God put in your life. We never think that those people, those spiritual giants, people that may not have attained to those academic heights, they may not have reached those heights, not because they were not as smart as we were, but because they were explicitly following God's call to deny themselves and invest their lives in humble service in the kingdom. They're just as smart as you are. They just devoted their life to something else entirely. And this unarticulated yet very real concern about status and prestige is exactly opposite to the cross of Christ. The entire point of the cross is that Jesus Christ purposely identifies with and listen, contaminates himself, gets cooties on himself by his association with sinful, filthy, rebellious humanity. The scripture says in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one, it says, "For our sake, this is what the scripture says, speaking of the Lord Jesus: For our sake, God made him to be sin." who did not know sin, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Downward mobility means that we don't use people and social connections to advance our personal agenda, but to please God through service to those who have no social standing at all. Downward mobility is a willingness to bear the cross of Christ, to submit to God's will for us, even if that means being willing to be second fiddle, even means if it means being, being willing to be an accompanist. Uh, it's so hard for me to say this word. Accompanist? When we know we have the talent to be a solo performer. It means trusting God to place you in exactly the right place in the body of Christ. Now, as I was reviewing this sermon this morning, I, I color my sermon with highlighters. I don't know if it does any good, but I, but it makes me feel a lot better for some reason. Uh, but anyway, as I was reviewing revo- this sermon this morning before uh, standing in the pulpit, uh, I actually said, did I write this because uh, this is hard, I, I, this is a hard word for me. Trusting God to place you in exactly the right place in the body of Christ. You and I don't have to put ourselves forward in God's family. God will be the one to raise you up. It doesn't matter if nobody else notices you if God notices you. It doesn't matter if nobody makes any account of you if God places high esteem on your life. He's the only you are you are performing for an audience of one. I mean, think about it. God took Joseph out of an Egyptian prison and made him second only to Pharaoh. God took the teenaged Jewish exile, a captive, Daniel, and made him the highest civil servant in the kingdom of Babylon. He didn't put himself forward for that. In fact, he tried to do everything not to get it. Hey, Daniel, you and your buddies, we want you to eat the king's food from the king's table. higher honor. He said, no, just give us some of those uh, microwave steamed vegetables. We'll be fine with that. We're not going (laughs) to... Because he wouldn't... It says, I don't want to defile myself with the king's food. That makes friends. (laughs) That'll get you popular. Who did that? God did that. It was God who took the shepherd boy, David, the least of the sons of Jesse, and took him out from watching over Jesse's flock of sheep and made him the king of Israel. And even more than that, God took a teenaged Jewish girl from a no stoplight town called Nazareth and made her the God-bearer, the Theotokos. He took that young girl, I mean, of all the places in the world, Nazareth in Galilee, and made her the mother of God, God in flesh, Jesus Christ. Who did that? God did that. And God will do the same for us. Beloved, God will see to it that you and I are are in exactly the right place in His plan if we will humble ourselves and trust Him, Ben Sharp. Downward mobility means that we have determined to trust God with our reputation, our careers, and our future. We have decided to please God above all others, and this is a central part of Christian maturity, and it is probably the central part of being great, in the kingdom of God. We buried a truly great man yesterday. We buried a Christian superstar yesterday. We buried a spiritual giant whose ministry has already been shown to have eternal significance. You may not have even noticed him. He looked very small and frail. He often sat right back here in the very back of the church. Had Parkinson's disease. He didn't look significant. Uh, Randy Ogburn, who was in our first service, said that the last time he saw Joe Mullinax was two Sundays ago. Joe was here, he had a fall, had a brain bleed, got pneumonia, and he's passed away. But Joe was in the back. Uh, difficult for him to balance, difficult for him to stand. And the last thing Randy said about that he saw Joe. Mullinex was he was singing his heart out to God. Singing his heart out. He never wrote a book. You didn't read about him in the news or hear about him on a radio show. He wasn't on Positive Encouraging (laughs) K-Love. But Joe Mullinex was used by God to change lives. He retired at age 51. That's retiring as a child in my book. He retired at age 51 as a fingerprint expert with the FBI and the D.C. Metropolitan Police. That's pretty prestigious. But do you know what he spent the preponderance of his retirement years doing? Um, He didn't gain prestige because of this, because he w- he became the primary daytime caregiver for two young grandsons as their mom went to work every day. He changed their diapers and fed them. And as they grew up, Joe played with his grand. Joe, here's what I'm going to do. This prestigious man, with my retirement, I'm going to play with my grandchildren. He just fed, he fed their imaginations. He got down on their level in their worlds, on his hands and knees in their world and played with them on their level. He just openly lived Jesus in front of them. He just lived like a Christian granddad in front of his grandkids. And those little boys grew up to be Christian men, and now their lives... Are devoted to the gospel just as the same way that their granddad's life was, and the radius of the, the radius of the the shockwaves of Joe's humility to spread the good news among those entrusted to his care just continues to radiate, radiate out farther and farther and farther. You see, when we start to worry about our prestige. We just need to take a look and see who God is willing to invite to his party. When you start to worry about your prestige, you need to think about who God has invited. Take a look at who God is willing to be seen eating with. Humility comes a little easier for us when we receive this holy meal from this table. We are invited to this banquet table, though none of us deserves to eat here. None of us. Just look around the table in Jesus' big, big church and see who Jesus is willing to invite as guest at His table because it is the same list He commended to His Pharisee host in Luke chapter 14, verse 13. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And some of those are literally poor, crippled, lame, and blind, but some of them are just Laodiceans like me. Each one of us has been honored by Christ, our host, to have the best seat in the house. Each one of us gets to be in intimate table fellowship with Jesus, who has offered Himself in this meal, through this meal. And though in our lives we have treated God as an enemy, He invites us to His table as friends. Come and be my friend. How can we be haughty when our Lord humbled Himself to enter the world through the womb of a Jewish teenager? He humbled Himself to be scorned and ridiculed. He humbled Himself to a death of torture on a cross. He humbled Himself to be placed in a tomb. He only needed it for a weekend, but He didn't even own the tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. And he humbles himself to be present to us. God comes to us in bread and wine. Who would do such a thing? I mean, how about lasers and smoke machines and lightning bolts? That would be cool. But groceries? God shows up in groceries? Who does that? A humble God who's willing to go to the cross out of love for us, who's not stopped being that God who died on a cross for us. Oh, the scandalous humility of our God. How could we ever do anything to push ourselves forward and earn earthly pomp When the almighty God of the universe has offered offered himself to us in this most humble way. Y'all, this isn't even really good bread. It's kind of like fish food bread almost. It's little discs. And yet he still comes under the sign of bread. At this table, you and I will come only The only way you can be invited to this table is, a, is as a needy beggar. He does not care about your credentials. The only credentials he sees are if you have taken the hand of the one whose hand was pierced by nails for you. We all come hungry, and here we see ourselves as we truly are, outcasts and rebels who are allowed to dine on this most precious food because of God's mercy, mercy, not our deserving. Thanks be to God that he is willing to eat with the likes of me. Thanks be to God that he's willing to eat with the likes of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at Christchurchws.org. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.